Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Happy Monday from Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you want to text us, you can on the FanDuel text line at 704-570-9610. The first text of the day already might be the best one. Panther Bo writes in, ha, ha, ha. Boss man with a zing of the day so far. LFG. Poor Fitty. Jeff Ricker doing his PhD read, and then he's given me a compliment. He's given you, the former D1 athlete, a compliment. And then Fitty says, hey, you don't want to look like me after PhD? And Jeff says, no. He brings it to the airwaves. I'm sorry for ruining the energy because Fitty did have some great one. I did a great energy coming in. I did want to read that text from Panther Bow, though, because, well, I thought it was funny. I mean, as DMX says, you do dirt, you get dirt. So uh, Fitty came <laughs> in, you know, he jumped in. He was kind of asking for it, and uh, Jeff Rickett gave him what he was asking for. He yeah, jumped but- in. He jumped in like Filipowski did, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go, baby. Yeah. Also, it was a great producer being at work because I got a drop out of Jeff. And Jeff now has his own drop folder. Well, he, he, he's he got a million of them, at I least know. based off of what you and Flounder have collected in the past. I know. So I just added another drop to the uh, Rickard collection. And, you know, it's something y'all don't know a lot about, me and being a great producer. And that's what I was doing. And it, it worked out in a in a great way. You just tried to go old head. I, I, I was producing before you were even the biz, son. <laughs> producing back in the day. You wish you could produce like me. I can't wait to get into this court storming stuff because I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling, man. Like what? So because we have personal interest on this show, because we have the only Wake Forest alum at the station on this show. We have somebody that is a rabid North Carolina fan on this. Now, those aren't necessarily scarce. We have a few. We have Charlotte Sports Today covered. We have Mac and Bone covered with that. We don't have the Kyle Bailey show covered with the rabid Carolina sports fan. But we got one here. And I would like to say that we have the craziest rabid UNC fan. I would yeah, say that. No question about it. So, so we have personal interest. As far as not only Carolina getting the win over the weekend, much needed victory for them, or a nice one, at least over Virginia on the road in Charlottesville, but also between Wake Forest and Duke, after watching the Demon Deacons come away with that win, 83-79, to mm-hmm. it's going down to the wire. Wake Forest to hit a couple of free throws to make it a four-point game. Less than, two seconds, year, baby. less than two seconds to go, and the Joel was rocking with all of the tie-dye as far as the eye could see as the die could see, if you will. (laughs) And then they were ready to storm the court. And that has brought on a bunch of conversation on whether it should be banned. Now we're treating the Filipowski run in like Zapruder film. Well, did he actually stick his foot out? Did he actually lean his shoulder into somebody? And Flounder, it seems like he's been catching a lot of flack because, of course, he was going against Flip. But now nah, you you can forget about Flounder. I have a feeling the same thing is going to be coming right from our board op, producer, dynamic, everything today. Let's hit it. Let's let's get off of the bus. We have an angry bus driver. I can feel it. Plus, we have a Wake Forest alum. I'm excited for this. Let's talk court storming right off the rip. Let's get off the bus. Let's talk about it.
We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Filipowski had to be helped off after Wake Forest fans stormed the court after the victory for the Demon Deacons, 83 to 79. He was limping. People had to help him off. John Shire was seen shoving somebody as they were just trying to, to, to exit the court in one piece, all of them. John Shire had a problem with it, and here he is saying it's time to ban court storming after the game. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today and and hats off to them but you look around the country and caitlin clark something happens and now flip i don't know what his status is going to be he sprains his ankle and it's one thing like when i played at least it was 10 seconds in the court you know you would storm the court now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor and this has happened to us a bunch this year um it's part of it i don't want this to take away at all from wake they earned it they deserve the win Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? So I'll answer any questions. But for me, that's hats off to them. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. Uh, but uh, that needs to stop. On the ACC teleconference about an hour ago, John Shire said he's not sure if Kyle Filipowski will be able to practice yet. Hopefully they'll know later today, Filipowski did not have any imaging done on his injured knee. This coming from Brendan Marks on the ACC teleconference. We got a couple of other sound bites to get to, but I want to hear the sound from Wes Bryant's mouth. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. What do you have to say Listen, about man, John first of all, and all of the Sounding like an uppity... Blue blood. My my school doesn't have to storm the court because we're a blue blood. They wouldn't have been saying that as aggravating as Duke fans are. You think if they weren't a blue blood that they wouldn't be court storming? You think that wouldn't be happening? First of all, you knew from the atmosphere. Wake had over 14,700 in attendance. Tied out out. Biggest game in Winston-Salem in quite some time because of the implications. You could feel it coming the entire game. You knew if they won this game that they were going to storm the court. You knew with 1.8 seconds you got your ass beat and you didn't have no chance to come back and win this game. So you should know. Get your behind off that court. You know they're coming. And be ready to protect yourself. What do boxers say all the time? What is one of the biggest rules in boxing? Protect yourself at all times. You know if the kids are about to run on the court, you got to be ready to protect yourself and ready to get off the court safely. From my vantage point up top, it looked like you might have tried to trip somebody. And then Filipowski after the game, it's got to stop. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Get out of here. You knew this was coming when it happened. And as I saw one of my Wake Forest alums say on there, you want to stop the court storming, well, win the game. Okay, had you won, you wouldn't have had to worry about anything, but you didn't. You took the L. Go back to Durham. We don't feel sorry about it. 
We got the dub. We celebrated. Roll the quad. I know y'all wondered why I posted the toilet paper on my Twitter timeline. That's what we do on the set. When we get the big wins, we go roll the quad. We take the toilet paper and throw it all over the trees in the main area by the clock tower. So I posted it up. Roll the quad. Storm the court. We don't give a damn. Duke, take this L. Hold this L. Hold this L. I imagine we can copy and paste that take and put it on Fiddy's Microsoft Word document. <laughs> can we do the same thing, Fiddy? Is there anything to add, or did Wes encapsulate that pretty perfectly? Oh, no, there's there's a lot more to add. We Everyone was worried and concerned post-Coach K. Was Duke going to be hateable? Who was going to be the villain? It took a year and a half, man. John Shire has arrived. With that, with that nonstop whining in the postgame, oh, it's happened to us a lot this year. Win the damn game! <laughs> if you win, no one storms the court. And this victimhood mentality, it's oh, a problem man. in this country. You're down four with 1.8 seconds left to go. I remember as a fan, as a kid, seeing UNC get bodied when Roy Williams took our players off the court in 2012, down 33. Got destroyed. But he knew the court storming was happening. It wasn't worth a Kendall Marshall, a, Hen- uh, a Harrison Barnes, a John Henson getting injured. You're not winning the game. Put your reserves in there for the last 1.8 seconds. Because uh, this might be wrong. If one of them get hurt, it's not a big deal. But when your best player, the guy that is the most important to you winning an ACC regular season title, making a Final Four, shoves a fan... And then, uh, and as a response, maybe has a sprained ankle because he gets trampled. That's the risk you take because you do not have him off the court. It's your job to protect your players. John Shire and Duke are as much to blame as Wake Forest is for what happened on Saturday. Let's get- Go oh, ahead, no, I was just going to say, last thing Wolfpack James said it nicely as well. Didn't Duke storm the field after they beat Clemson? What's the difference? I didn't see John Shire getting on there talking about banning field storming, court storming after that. Well, so come on, man. Kyle Filipowski also had some comments after the game. He said he absolutely feels that it was intentional on how he got hurt. You know, I've, I felt a bunch of hits on my body. I, you know, I just, this one was the worst of them. Um, you know, so it's just, like I said, it's just really ridiculous of, of, of how, you know, that situation's handled. Did you feel like any of it was, was on purpose or was it incidental? I mean, if, punch, did you feel I've like already it? heard that there's some videos of, of, you know, getting punched in the back. And um, so I absolutely feel like it was personal, um, um, you know, intentional for sure. You know, like I said, was, there's, there's no reason where they see a big guy like me trying to work my way up the court and they, they can't just work around me. You know, there's no excuse for that. Um, so, yeah. Those students didn't care, though. Like, we know that. Like, we know those students didn't care at all with Kyle Filipowski being on the other end of the court. We can start here. We can start with whether it should lead to banning of court storming. Good luck. Do those group of... Does does that group of students look like it can be contained at all to you? Right. Does it look like Wake Forest, and I know John Curry came out with a statement saying we need to do better. Steve Forbes also talked about it, that he's never been a fan of court storming and that they'll do a better job next time. I get all of that. But, okay, good luck with trying to ban court storming. I don't know how you do it. People are saying, oh, well, just make sure you get better security. To stop all of those students storming the court, you're not going to be able to ban it. 
I do feel some type of way about players being at risk for getting injured, though. That is something that I feel. I don't know about banning court storming because televisions love having that aesthetic surrounding the sport of college basketball. Hey, look, we have all this passion. When you pull off that monster of a win, that monstrous of a win, then everybody is going to celebrate, and this is what makes college sports so great. But as far as the trying to blame Filipowski for all of this, which that's the problem I have. I don't agree with trying to ban court storm. I don't even know how you would legislate it, to be honest with you. Okay, well, we'll just wait 10 seconds. Man, those students don't care. Okay, everybody. Everybody good? All right, let's count to 10, and then you can go on the court. All right, everybody count with me. One, two, okay, here yeah. you go. Are you serious? Not going to happen. Not, that's not, that is a wild group ready to do what they want to right now because of the euphoria they are feeling with this monstrous win. So it's not going to happen. You can try to contain it. You can do a better job. You can make sure those players maybe have some kind of barricade around them. Maybe security goes to the players first to block whoever, whatever, right? They are allowed to be on the court as long as their time is still left, as long as there's time still left. That's true. The Florida State UNC thing, Fitty, I thought about the same thing. Roy Williams brought those guys off of the court right at the very end of that game because he knew something was going to happen. They were also down 90 to 57. Like that was it was, a, it was a big old victory that Florida State had, and you had some time to plan for it. I just don't like the fact that we're trying to blame Kyle Filipowski for sticking his foot out further, because even if he dodges the person that actually hit him. Do you realize there's no way in hell he'd be able to get back to the sideline just based off of the time already ticking off of the clock? There was still time left when you saw probably 10, 15 bodies out there on the floor. I'm not here to blame Kyle Filipowski. John Shire, okay. In hindsight, for sure, and then even in real time, probably should have brought your players off of the court because it would have been a real long shot to win once you're down four. But also, we can go to another Duke example. Remember when Duke had a chance to win the game against Indiana in the NCAA tournament on a potential four-point play? It's just Jay Williams missed the free throw. Like, yeah, all likelihood. I'm not saying that Duke had a shot to win it, but, I mean, it wasn't, like, impossible. Like, I guess there was some kind of shot, snowball chance in hell, maybe. Like, a little bit. And we have to make sure that we're dictating what we do because of what the fans are going to do before we hit double zero on the... Like, no. I don't feel like Shire should be blamed for all of this. I don't feel like Filipowski should be blamed for all of this or that they are as much to blame. But what I am saying is there's no way we're going to ban court storming because you can't legislate it. That is an unruly group of fans ready to celebrate right now. And you're going to have to try to find ways to make it safer for players. I don't know how you do that, but they're not going to ban it because they care too much about the aesthetic and you can't do it anyway. Right. You see pictures and everything. And like I said, the media perpetuates it. The schools, the the NCAA, they all love the pictures of the court storming. So that's not going to stop. And then let's be honest. Okay. The security that is hired at these arenas, they ain't trying to stop it. They're not putting themselves in danger. But for, for what they're out there for and all of those things, they, they're not trying to stop this. Those guys and those women are standing out there. They're doing their jobs. But when it comes down to them trying to stop thousands of people from getting on the court, they ain't risking well, what do you expect themselves. them to do on the sideline? Exactly. Like, what there is, think about how many of them there are and how many students exactly. there are. They're stopping a stampede. Good luck. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? Right. So, 
Let's go to break. Let's come back. I think, Fiddy, are you writing down points that you want to get back to? We're off and rolling, baby. I didn't know if you were going to the pen for something like that or if you had something else on the text line you wanted to address. Do you have anything on the other side of the break? Marking down your promos. Oh, no, I just didn't know if you yeah, had no, any... Yeah, no, I'm writing down the time stamps for the promos from y'all's takes on the, the court storming. That's all I'm doing. No, you're... I've, I've still got plenty of thoughts and takes on this, though. Oh, yeah. Let's hear them. We got Fiddy's thoughts and takes. <laughs> still some more from Wes Bryant. I want to read some of these texts on the FanDuel text line. 704-570-9610. We'll also get to some NFL news with T. Higgins officially having the franchise tag placed on him. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We get a lot of text engagement on the FanDuel text line at 704-570-9610. There are a few times I'm overwhelmed because I want to read some of them, but then they just keep rolling in, rolling in, rolling in, rolling in. They love in. us, man. We're a little popular, I'd say. And especially, that's not even what I was trying to flex on, but <laughs> hopefully that's true. I will. What I was trying to talk about was also, it's tough when there's context. It's not like one-word answers. They're a lot easier to answer or read on air when, hey, what's your favorite food? And then people write in just one-word answers. But there's so many different things on these text messages. Hey, this is how you fix court storming. This is what I saw from Kyle Filipowski, X, Y, Z. That's why it's tough. But I tried to comb through all of the text that we got on the first segment, and we have a few to get to. So Panther Bo, I'll read because I think this is something that is up at the top of why we're concerned about uh, storming the court. Someone will get hurt bad eventually if nothing changes. I guess only hashtag elite teams are concerned about it. Ultimately, you have to care about that at least a little bit. It's not going to change. I saw Jay Bellis talking about this earlier, too, because I think college basketball likes the look of it. Maybe because you thought this was a high enough profile case where this is Filipowski playing for Duke in somewhat of a rivalry between Duke and Wake Forest. Then maybe this was the incident that we would see lead to change. But we still haven't heard anything about it. I don't think we will. Maybe different schools will have different policies in place. Maybe in-house, they all start to figure out, hey, we got to make sure we have an environment that is okay. If this happens, we got to make sure the players get off the court safe enough, and we need to implement those policies as much as possible. But as far as some sweeping, this is what happens if you have something go terribly wrong on fans storming the court, I don't expect that to happen. You ultimately do have to try as much as you can to care about player safety and if you're mad at Kyle Filipowski for extending his leg out, if you're mad at him for putting his shoulder into, I mean, he's bracing himself for the shoulder thing. I hope nobody has a problem with him just throwing his shoulder down because there's a million people coming his way. Like, there's a lot, okay? 
it reminds me of Simba getting ready for the wildebeest running through him at that gorge. Like Filipowski, a little bit bigger than Simba, for sure, but it's not like he's Cam Newton out there. Like He's 6'10", but he's also rail thin. There's a reason we've called him soft. I'm sure this isn't going to help, by the way. But yeah. people have called him soft before. Like, I don't care. I don't even care if you are Cam Newton, to be honest with you. He'll be able to handle himself better. We saw that over the weekend. You got how many people are rolling at like running at you full steam with what? Don't even care. <laughs> like, yeah, we got the victory. Boom, boom. Get out of my way. You ain't stopping that. Yeah. So they do need to take the necessary precautions. John Shire, I don't know, man, because because everybody else was close to the sideline from what I saw. It was just Filipowski that was a little bit further on the other end of the court. I just I have a hard time blaming Shire or Filipowski for this. I have a hard time saying, oh, it's their fault when, man, there's still time left on the game clock. Sure, it, it 99.9 and even more than that percent chance that they were going to lose that game, for sure. But also, they get to do what they want, I guess, in those last two seconds, right? Like after that free throw? Yeah. And the players didn't allow them to get back to the sideline safely enough. And then even McCain, I don't know if anybody saw this, but when McCain is over there on the sideline, some fan got in his face. Because those guys are unruly. You can't tell them nothing, man. We just got to win over a top 10 school in our own backyard, meaning Duke not so far away. We're partying. And it's starting right now. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Security guard, please. I'm partying here. I'm partying in your face. I'm partying right on top of Kyle Filipowski. I understand people saying there should be at least some amendment here to try to protect the students as much as they possibly can not the students i mean the players out there on the court yeah man no doubt about it and so that's the thing you have to just be aware of situation you got to be able to read the room and again like i said from the top part it did look like he was trying to be cute and try to chip somebody and it backfired on him. i'm not saying that that's exactly what happened but that's the optics that's a plausible scenario but other than that as a player as we said you have to be cognizant of the situation you got to know look man it's been building the entire game. Filipowski heard that crowd. He knew how excited they were pregame for this. There were students camping out. He knew when they got in there. He could tell from the feel of that crowd, every shot that Wake Forest made, every positive play that they made, the crowd was roaring. So you knew this was going to be a crazy atmosphere once the clock hit zero if Wake came out the victor. So you've got to be able to get off the court or, like I said, protect yourself. You know kids are coming. So then if I see them coming and I'm walking across the court, I'm going to slow down, watch all the kids flying by me. Then when I feel like I have a decent path or to the point where it gets bunched up enough to where nobody's flying by me anymore, then I can start to make my way through the crowd or not to mention, you know, do some of my players or whoever the case is going to also help me get off of the court. But I just think that there are ways to go about it. And so for Filipowski, I think it's completely lacking self-awareness to think that at the end of this game, he was just going to be able to just mosey on off the court with no problems and not have to dodge anybody with the way that crowd was worked up for the entirety of that game. Look, I know no matter what I say, it's going to be painted as a Ducator. And at this point, I'll own it. It's one it's, of the texts that we got I wanted to get to. Somebody yeah, it's, was, it's the same with me, too. They're going to hit me with the same thing. And look, it's fine. It's the last week of February. Bleep every team in the ACC. I want to win, win an ACC regular season title. I'm all for player safety. I don't like the idea that Kyle Filipowski got hurt. And if he missed a significant time, it does. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. But I got so, up, I got so upset 
listening to people in the college basketball world that I thought I respected. Seth Davis, <clears throat> I never respected him. Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, all these guys basically say fans don't have a right to be on the court. If, if there weren't 14,000 fans in the stands, would college athletics be the billion-dollar industry that it is? Like, we need to protect the players. I get that. But the fans are at the core of every single sport. You take away fans. You, you're taking away the money, the revenue. You're taking away in the environment. You're taking away what makes sports sports. Think about it during COVID. It was not, it was not the same watching high-level athletes play in empty gymnasiums or in empty football stadiums, baseball, no matter what it was. And so fans do have a right because you're paying a lot of money for a ticket to park, to eat food, to students for tuition. You have a right when your team wins a game that significant to celebrate in a manner that is going to last a lifetime. You pay all that money and none of it grants you court access. So when you're talking about how much we missed the fans during COVID, we didn't miss them being on the court. We missed them creating a loud environment, which was successful and checked off their list in, on Saturday. Like, as far as them deserving to be on the court, now we're going too far. If you want to storm the court after the game, okay, it's fun. I can't lie. I would have done it as a college student too. Listen, he would have done if he was there on Saturday. He's a grown-ass man. We need that isolated. <laughs> a grown-ass man yeah, with, that that kind of, with that Willie P peak. We need that isolated as much as possible. Yeah, and that's all fair. But to say that, like, because then is it just after the game? Like, Fiddy, here we are talking about how they deserve to be on the court and the sport wouldn't be anything without the fans. So then do they deserve to be out there, like, in between quarters, like, while they're playing? So it's just basically before, like, what about during warmups? What about, like, I, no. I just, I just we, don't, we can protect, the court is okay to protect. I just don't understand how we, we live in a place where fans are the backbone of every single sport. But they they get mistreated more than anybody because you got to overpay. And now when they celebrate, like like if this was in the the, the professional level, I think it, it doesn't hit the same. Like court storming, field storming, it's a college athletics type of thing. I think it's just part of the it's just part of it. Yeah, it's and, part of the fabric of college sports. There's no question about that. And there's no way that you can amend it or adapt it. I the, when, when North Carolina beats Duke or wins a national championship in basketball. You storm Franklin Street. I've been a part of storming Franklin. In 2017, you were still setting bonfires on Franklin Street. We no longer set the fires, but you still storm Franklin. You celebrate with the, the thousands of fans that are on campus. So you can still storm the court. It needs to be policed better, So that's, but, but it doesn't need to be banned. Well, yeah, right. But, right. but you're talking – that's not – any issue that I had, because of course, I think we need to try to figure out a way to make that a little safer for the players out there on the court. But when we're talking about not like saying they deserve to be out there, like that's where we need to go ahead and police that. I mean, no, they, they don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that they deserve to be out there on the court as much as anybody, because that's the place where the players are trying to perform. You're, you're not the reason why everybody else is going out there to watch. Like you're, you're not the reason that everyone else is there too. They're there to watch the players, and they also want to see them the next game. And so there does need to be some kind of policing of it. But I just don't know how in the world you're going to ban it completely. And they're not going to. 
they're not going to. Last thing about this, too, like people are talking about John Shire and calling him whiny, right? Like I know you've done that. Everybody else has done it. Man, also, if if we're trying to say, well, the students deserve to be out there. They're happy. They're having a great time. Like, Can we not understand why John Shire might be a little frustrated so soon after the game? Like John Shire going to the podium after the game and having a problem with his player that got hurt because of the court storming. Yeah, I can understand. Like, I, I might understand a coach going over to the podium and saying, hey, what are we doing here? Like, my guy just got hurt, not for anything that he did on the court while playing, but because the fans were just flooding in from all angles. But my thing is, though, he already stated that this happened to them a couple of times before and nothing happened. He had nothing to say about it then. Then also, too, we see it all the time, every night, at least a couple of times a week, somebody storms the court for something. We can count on our hands the amount of times something uh, bad in a, I'm not even going to say a major way, has happened. The first things that come to my mind is LeGarrette Blunt against, uh, I forget who they were Boise playing, State. Boise State. But then that was a situation to where he could have easily gotten off the field. The fan just said a, a racial slur to him, I do believe, and that's what happened. Well, and fans were like sitting there. I saw somebody else say, yeah, they were flipping Mark Mitchell off and they were right there next to McCain in his face while they're going like they didn't care. Yeah. Like, so th- that's that's not OK behavior for the for the fans to go out there on the court and do that unless you're with it. <laughs> I mean, no way, well, you right? say that to me. Look, man, when the fans run out to uh, outside of a racial slur. Them. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, you were a player and then you would pop them and you'd go LeGarrette Blunt on somebody. If yeah. I mean, if, if, if yeah. Now, you know, racial slur, that's a whole different ball game. If you come out there and you taunt me, I'm probably going to say something back to you. Yeah. You might catch a shove because that's how I give it up. You might get a shove, but that's also the risk that the student takes. You want to be dumb enough to say something to a dude that's 6'3", 200, like LeGarrette Blunt was, 6'3", 250 pounds, then you run the risk of getting socked out. But then but then who gets punished more, though? The player is going to get punished. You are very correct by that. So, so that's then, what I said. But so I, it's not but, equal. But I think also, too, as a player, you got to understand that that's going to come with it. You know that these unruly fans going to run on the court. They're going to say stuff. You got to be prepared for that as well. So, yes, but I, I do see the point. But as I was saying, the only ones I remember off the top of my head is LeGarrette Blunt, and then this year, Caitlin Clark and Kyle Filipowski. Other than that, we've had no incidents, really, of this happening with guys running off the court. And there's been plenty said. There's been plenty of taunts. Uh, there's been plenty of stuff that happens when these fans storm the court, and we haven't had any incidents. But just because now Filipowski gets hurt, yes, it's unfortunate. I'm not saying I'm fine with him getting hurt. I'm not saying that's cool that he got hurt. Don't get it twisted there. But I'm just saying that players, and this is just a part of college sports, this is what's going to happen in big upsets, and it's not much you can do about it. And I just feel like that the players and coaches alike can be better prepared situations like this I mean that that might be true John Shire could have gotten those guys off the floor if he wanted to yeah that that's true the the frequency in which players get hurt to me I think that misses the mark because if we're talking about the frequency like part of this is to make sure it doesn't happen because Mm -hmm. to me okay well it hadn't happened yet so let's just keep on rolling the way we're rolling until somebody does get significantly hurt and then what it's not like we didn't see it coming we've had this conversation we're having it right now so just because it hasn't happened in an extreme level, we just keep going, well, it hadn't happened yet. It could have been worse with Kyle. I didn't know how hurt he was. I don't think anybody did at that time. He had to be helped off. Maybe you thought he was being too whiny. I'm sure there were a lot of fans that hate Duke just immediately saying, oh, yeah, Kyle Filipowski whining again. But I didn't know how hurt he was. 
And then to get to the last point, I do want to really know this. And I would like for everybody to be as honest as they possibly can. Stanford P writes in, Fitty, if that was R.J. Davis getting hurt because of a court storm, you wouldn't have this take. Which I got to tell you, man, I think I'd feel, I think I feel the same way. If Armando Baycott, then you don't then you don't know me very well. I, I fired Hubert Davis in his first season of the head co- of his head coaching career. Oh, okay. I'm not afraid to be critical if I feel nobody's like nobody's saying that though. Nobody's talking about how you're not afraid to be critical. Fans yeah, are critical of their teams all the time. Yeah, That's a misnomer. Thing. When you sign up to play basketball for Carolina, Kansas, Duke, or Kentucky, when you lose to a team or a program like a Wake Forest, like a Georgia Tech, you expect the the, the court to be stormed. It's part of it. It's what you sign up for when you go and play at a premier college basketball institution. And so I look at it and say, we lost to Georgia Tech. The court got stormed. Nothing happened. We lost to Syracuse. Court got stormed. Nothing happened. Right. Nobody got hurt. Maybe right. maybe Hubert Davis uh, is more prepared for those situations than John Shire is in practice. But see, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because is that the case? Like, did you see those court storms? Like, did you go back and watch those? Yeah, because I what, watched the game. I watched. I watched the court get stormed. What happened with Georgia Tech then? If Hubert Davis was so much better prepared, what do you mean? You were saying Hubert Davis was more prepared to get his guys to the sideline safely. Like, there was some strategy that he deployed to make sure that his players got to the sideline, and therefore everything is okay. I mean, plus I, it wasn't as rabid as what happened there. Because like, the, the coaches aren't going to go over this pregame because they're not going to want to even put a single shred of a thought in their players' minds that they could lose the game. They're not going to be like, all right, guys, if we lose, this is what we're going to do right here. Okay, whatever, whatever. They're not going to do that because of the psychology of it. They're not going to want to put any type of doubt in their players' minds. Well, and the thing, too, like, I know Fiddy and people can be critical. I mean, we're critical of our teams all the time. We're angry because we are invested. We're angry at them for not performing well. You can fire Hubert Davis. You can fire all sorts of coaches. It's not just Fiddy as much as we like to joke about it and put emphasis on the characters that we are. But everybody likes firing their coaches if they're terrible. Plenty of Panthers fans want to do that. Yeah, but, but something like this that is so either way. Like, I remember when, what was it? Like, you hate players that will fight. I forget what the moment was. I think it was the NC State stuff with UNC last year, Traquavion Smith. You brought the glasses on, whatever, right? But, like, to me, I do think if Armando gets hurt... And that is Wake Forest fans. Man, I cannot see you getting as mad as you are right now. Because I, I would be, it. if the role were reversed and it ha- this happened to Hunter Salas, let's say. Yeah, I'd be mad about it, but I understand it. I know that's part of the game, but I'm not going to be sitting here like, oh, they need to ban it. Now, I'd be tight because a uh, key player off my team got hurt. But at the same time, I know this is college sports. This is what it is. I enjoy this. That's why I said Bryce and I was supposed to go to the game. We had tickets to the game, but we couldn't go because of his own back basketball commitments but had we been there we'd yeah. have been right down there on the field <laughs> with the footage or right down there on the court with the footage having a good time because like they were saying earlier and I, and I heard this opinion that people grow up watching college sports you see this so then when you become a student or you become a fan of these schools when you have moments like that you want to be a part of it because you saw it coming up you watched your team storm the court or storm the field after a big victory I mean Probably one of the the most fun I had going on unofficial visits my senior year in high school was when South Carolina beat Georgia and Which they stormed the field this, by the way. and tore, yeah and tore down 
the uh, the goalpost back when you could do that. That was amazing. I loved it. And so it was a lot of fun. Right. I support it no matter who the school is. I think you deserve to celebrate. I just think we've had a couple of unfortunate situations that's gotten people in a tizzy. But I support field storming, court, uh, field storming, court storming, no matter what the team is. Man, if you get a huge win, you deserve to celebrate. Hopefully the players are protected as much as possible, though, in those situations. And if that falls on the team and players themselves, then so be it. But also, you would like for the school to create an environment as such if that happens to where the players have that route to go get to the sideline as quickly as they possibly can. We can move on, just like some people are asking us to do on the text line. We can talk about the Charlotte Hornets win again last night against Portland. Also, T. Higgins did get tagged. We'll talk about the Carolina Panthers on the other side as well. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, it's a good Monday when we are scrambling to try to figure out all of the different topics that we can fit in. And we're organized people. We just got so much good stuff that we just don't know how we want to bring it to y'all. Court storming. It went into the second segment because everybody wanted to hear about it. So we will get to T Higgins, him having the franchise tag placed on him. I also wanted to get to Joe Person's article on Dan Morgan doing a deep dive on your new Panthers GM and, of course, former All-Pro linebacker that used to be here with Carolina back in the day. We can get to all of that a little later on. How about the Charlotte Hornets actually taking precedent over the Carolina Panthers, though? That's interesting. The Charlotte Hornets actually winning against the Portland Trailblazers for the first time since 2008 in Portland. Oh, that's not the only time that they've done that on this little mini roadie post-All-Star break. They went to Utah right after and beat the Jazz in Utah for the first time since 2006. Both times, by the way, having been achieved by the Bobcats, which is hilarious to me because we clown that franchise as much as any in sports, nationally and locally, and yet the Bobcats were the last team to accomplish such feat, even if we transition to the Hornets, who we think of a little more favorably. It's hilarious. This team is doing it again under Steve Clifford post-All-Star break, man. I was waiting for that sigh. I paused and <laughs> knew it was coming. I'm just telling you, Wes, do you know who has the best defensive rating in the NBA since the trade deadline? Hmm, let me think. <laughs> who could it be? The fact that Walker's asking me this, I'd say the Hornets. It's the Hornets, Wes. Mm. Very smart of you. <laughs> do you know who was also at the top of the league a couple of weeks after post after the All-Star break last year? In defensive rating, when Steve Clifford got a whole bunch of young players and misfits and miscast, what did he have those guys doing in the second half of last year defensively? Throwing some Ds on that. That's right. 
you got to get the song reference. You probably are going to go a different direction, but you gotta, yeah, I did. You got to you got to know the song <laughs> reference. He's doing it again, man. And so the fact that the Hornets got this win, it's great to see them continuing to win post All Star break, and then even against Golden State, we can get to them in a moment. But like I, I will say, not to rain on the parade because I'm here for all of the wins, and defensively they look like a completely different team. Wes, I do think they've reached their limit without Lamelo Ball, and I hope he comes back soon. Fitty came into the fishbowl earlier today. It was like, whew, that game was rough watching that last night. And it was. Charlotte didn't score over 25 points in any quarter. And Portland was three of over 30 from deep. They were yeah, nine. Three for 32. They were 9% from the three-point line. They were nine. They were like 32% from the field. It was ridiculous. And so that was a tough watch. I think offensively, they're starting to need that lead ball handler that LaMelo Ball is. But once he comes back... I'm excited even more so, and they're already playing some pretty good basketball. No, I would agree with you, but, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because the Hornets got smashed on the rebound trail. 64 rebounds they give up to Portland to their 46. Portland had 22 offensive rebounds. Normally in a game, if you give up that many offensive rebounds, you're going to get smashed because of the second-chance points element. But when you shoot 35% and 9% from three, then you don't really have any type of chance. Cleveland, I mean, not Cleveland, Portland had – Uh, Only 14 assists to 15 turnovers. So, obviously, you know, this isn't a great Portland team. And the Hornets took advantage of that. And they were fortunate enough that they shot the ball so poorly. And that the Hornets shot the ball pretty good from the field, if you want to take a positive. I mean, 49% from the field, I'll take that. The three-point percentage leaves a lot to be desired. But other than that, when you get hammered on the boards like that offensively, uh, you know, it spells disaster for a team. But fortunately for them, Portland turned the ball over a lot and couldn't shoot in the broad side of a barn. And so that helped them to be able to get the win. Portland is a terrible team, too. They're also dealing with injuries. No Scoot last night. Yeah. Sure, that hurt him a lot. Yeah. Scoot is such a special player. No, it's been a terrible year, and I understand that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon has also, was also not playing shade and sharp, and so they're missing quite a few guards with Portland, and so take that for what you will. But at least Charlotte was still able to find a way to hold on because of their defense, and their team defense has been so much better. Steve Clifford, even after a terrible shooting night and a bad offensive night for them, they're still playing so much better on that end of the floor. Now, okay, we move on from this game against Portland. And we can go to Golden State, where that was a wild night. Friday, the Hornets take on Golden State on the road. They look tired. Second night of a back-to-back. They also reportedly did not get to their hotel. Until 3 a.m., yeah. Until 3 a.m. And so, whatever. Against Golden State, that's going to be a tough victory anyway. And the Hornets couldn't hit their shots. It was pretty terrible offensively there as well. So... Even after that, the game was such a drag. God, I wanted that to be over as soon as it started. (laughs) But it kept dragging and dragging and dragging. And then, about like, what, 12 seconds left, Lester Quinones, somebody I didn't know existed until I watched Golden State on Friday. Lester Quinones cuts towards the basket, tries to hit a layup. Miles Bridges gets called for goaltending or whatever, and Miles Bridges gives Quinones a little shove. Lester was here for it emphasizing the B word right in front of Grant Williams face too. Once Grant came over to check everybody, what was going on? He kept emphasizing it. You could read, you could read his lips from like four miles away. Called him every name in the book when he walked over there. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had a little bit of a scrum. So Draymond green after the game had this to say about Grant Williams, who did try to come over and be the enforcer. Once miles bridges and Canones got into it. 
Well, it's kind of like a sore loser type thing. Like, uh, you know, Miles is my guy. That's my little brother. So I'm not going to sit here and go in on yeah. Miles. Miles can do no wrong. Fast. Um, but Grant Williams got to stop it, man. He, he can't keep. Like, being like this tough guy is going absolutely wrong for him. Like, he's a really nice guy. And for some reason, he keeps, like, trying to jump on the unlikable side. And I must tell you, it's not always fun over here. Um, it's not always a good time. Uh, and so, I don't know, man. He needs to figure it out. Because, uh, boy, I mean, talking too much kind of got you out of Dallas. Like, overdoing it. And he's over there talking too much now. So, well, I'll slow down. It's not for all the tough guy stuff. You, know, you want to be the president of PA and stuff, man. You can't be out here doing all that stuff. You don't see, you don't see CJ McCullough riding around being a tough guy. Pray for Grant Williams. It's almost like humans have emotions that range from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's almost like Grant Williams was going over to defend his teammate and defend his team. And you can be nice and also do that. Where if you're Draymond Green, you got to live on one side or the other, and there is no room for complexity of emotions. Zero. And he's saying you're trying to be this fake tough guy. I don't know. Grant Williams seemed to match the same kind of energy that was out there on the court, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, Canones, like, threw a little bit of a punch. Like, I, you know, whatever. Not real, real, but he was about it. But Grant Williams was there just as much as Draymond Green was. Yeah. Right in everybody's face, not backing down. In fact, ran to seek all of the conflict. This seems like, I don't know about lack of self-awareness for Draymond because Draymond does know what he's about, but also he's just dead wrong on the mark here with uh, Grant Williams. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing, though, you are going to be a tough guy. You got to get more than 19 rebounds in five games, I'll tell you that much. But uh, then also... Is that too, Grant or Draymond number? Grant Williams. Okay. And then, too, you know, I had to acknowledge a stupid comment from Draymond talking about Miles can do no wrong with him. Oh, okay. my God. But anyway. Um, right. Yeah, but no, I didn't have a problem with with what Grant did and the Hornets getting chippy yeah, because, no. again, this is what we've been wanting to see from the Hornets. Okay, we know you were losing. We know it was late in the game, and it did kind of come across. So a loser situation, you get into it. But we've been wanting to see a little bit of funk from the Hornets. You know what I'm saying? Them getting into it with some guys, getting a little chippy, man. We want to see that fire. So, man, like I said, you know that I'm here for a bit of a post game. I know stuff, we need to go man. to ba- or break. I do think there's something here, though, where people are missing the Miles Bridges aspect of this a lot. I think, in my opinion, you watch what happens there. Miles Bridges starts it. He has a problem with Canones going after that layup. And I get it. I get it. Miles Bridges gives him a little bit of a shove, and then Canones is in his face. What happens after that? Grant Williams runs over. There's a group. Brandon Miller's in the mix. Grant Williams, Canones. And everybody's in the mix except for Miles Bridges. Because what happens once it starts to get a little wild, Miles Bridges takes a couple steps back. And then even afterwards, he's talking to the sideline while everybody else is in the group. He knows, man. Miles knows he can't do this right now. He's a little too hot still. After missing the first 10 games of this season, 80 games last year, felony domestic violence, how good of a look is that for you if you're involved in all of that? Miles Bridges knows. Even before the arrest, remember, he got ejected for throwing the mouthpiece into the stands in the play-in game against Atlanta. I will say, I do think it's very different how Miles reacted after the fact compared to what he would have done two years ago. That's a great point you brought that up because that's something I didn't really think about in the moment when I saw that.
We can get to some Carolina Panthers conversation on the other side. Plus, we got to visit the campus Kona, as we do every single weekday. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.